my name is Kevin. I've got the wonderful privilege to lead this team along with my wife, Lizaldi, and our two boys. Um, I see the title already got some reaction here. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's positive vibes or negative vibes, but um, it definitely got some reaction. Uh, so anyway, I pray that you'd come and, and convict us and speak to us and shape and form us this morning, Lord. Um, yeah, your word is alive, Lord. Your word is alive, and Lord, and I pray that we would, we would receive it with meekness this morning and be changed by it, Lord. Um, come and change us. We invite you to do that. Just, we are. Just invite him to come and do that. Invite him to come and speak to your heart. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, I'm going to speak about working out and looking at the chapter of Philippians 2 and unpacking some scriptures there. Uh, the one thing I've seen is a lot of people in January tend to join gyms or health clubs. So my dad was in the gym industry and he said this January was incredibly busy as people signed up for gym membership. Nazaldi um, and I recently also didn't join a gym, we just started going. Um, <laughs> we have the membership. Um, and I noticed that, you know, the gym, member, the gym is full. And I spoke to, I'm not going to mention any names, but someone on eldership that um, gyms a lot. Um, so I told him that he told me that it normally looks like that in January. And the um, interesting thing is I read up a bit about it, and they said by the month of May, five months in, 80% of people quit the exercise. So people start a while, and yet by month five, they're done. They bail out. There's various reasons why people do this, but there's one workout, one type of exercise that we can't afford to stop or quit on, and that's our spiritual exercise. We need to do that continually. We can't quit on it. Um, sometimes, like any form of physical exercise, it gets difficult. And there's a stage where we're just like, this is tedious, it's hard work. But we can't afford to stop. And I want to unpack that a bit um, this morning. There's a joke that someone said, when I feel the urge to exercise, I lie down until the feeling passes. So it's not passive. It's not passive. We call them, you don't see scriptures, lie down until your faith comes into full fruition. Take it easy. <laughs> it's walk, run. It's, it's words that are physical exercise, connotation, physical in, implementation, application. And so it's definitely not passive. And so I'll try, I'm trusting that I would encourage you and maybe provoke you even. So we take this up and, and um, from this point onwards know that I need to apply myself. I can't just wait. I can't just wait for Christ to be formed. There's a difference between justification and sanctification. Justification is that very moment where Jesus comes and he, he regenerates you, makes you new. He gives you a new life. And in that very moment as your eyes open up and you see him for who he is and you surrender your life, by faith, He comes in, in that very moment, and He changes your nature, completely. But now that's the process of walking out that newness, and that's in partnership with Him. Where well, He's done the work, but now I need to apply myself. 
And I want to unpack that a bit. How does that journey look? Christianity is more than a decision to make Christ your Savior. It's a determination to walk with Christ as your Lord. It's more than a decision to make Christ as your Savior, but it's a determination to walk with Him as your Lord. And that's going to be an encouragement and in one way provoke you. Um, we're going to read the passage of Scripture in a short while. But one of the things that God is really hiding, highlighting to us as a congregation, as a church, is to reach out. To reach out to our neighbors and to reach out to the nations. Um, last year I heard testimonies upon testimonies of people responding to the gospel. We saw people respond here. But we had people that sit, sat in their lounge having a dinner with people that started visiting the church. They were invited for dinner. And while sitting having dinner, the question was asked, can you with certainty say that if you die today, you will be with God for all eternity? And the person said, I'm not sure. I really am not sure. And then the question was asked, why not sort it out now? And I heard testimonies of over a dinner date, people responded to the gospel, reaching out to our neighbors. Isn't it wonderful? And we had boys to men camp. It was incredible to see the amount of men in front here reaching out. Why are we reaching out? Because we're feeling the call of God to be witnesses, to make disciples, not just witnesses here, but to the ends of the earth. And then there's a team going to Zambia in March. And there's, as a congregation, we want to reach the nations because we want to tick it off for, no, because we've been instructed by God, each and every one of us, to be witnesses in the place that we live now, but in the neighboring towns, in the neighboring countries, and to the ends of the earth. We need to be witnesses, all of us. And I want to say this, to reach out effectively, to reach out, this is probably the best evangelistic training I can give you. The best way to reach out is to bring out what God has already brought about. God has already done something in your life. He's already brought about something. He's made you new. He's given you joy. He's given you peace. He's given you a new life. Now we need to bring that out. And as we bring that out, people see something of Jesus and they want it. So the best way, forget about booklets and strategies, those things are important. But the best thing each and every one of us can do is to take on the responsibility to bring out what God has already brought about in our lives. And as we do that, Christ is revealed. So let's unpack that in Scripture. I want to start at verse 12. And so I'm going to start somewhat in the middle of the Scripture and then jump to the top and work our way from the top to the bottom. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything, say everything, without grumbling or arguing. There's some good marriage advice. So. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Now the thing is, you read scripture, if there's a therefore, that's an indication that you've got to go back to what was said before, because that has a big influence on what we read now. It's basically saying this that I just, this is what I'm about to tell you, 
make sure you look at what I've previously mentioned because what I'm about to tell you now is motivated by what I said earlier on. So if we see the therefore, it's important that we go back up and say, okay, cool. Why did Paul say we need to work out? Why did we need to apply ourselves? And we're going to start in verse 3. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Oh, it's cut off there. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Take it back to last week where we shared and, and really God highlighted the importance that we consider others above ourselves. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So the therefore comes now. It says, therefore, in my absence, work out your salvation. And this is why. This is why. Who being the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in a human likeness, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in, your absence, in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Oh, sorry, I've missed that. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It says Jesus was God, but he came to earth, took on the very nature of man, and implied himself in obedience. He gave himself, he humbled himself. He considered the interests of others more. Therefore, you do the same. Therefore, you do the same. And it goes on. From verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. So as we work out ourselves, as we apply ourselves, the motivation is look at Jesus. Look at Jesus who didn't consider it um, something to be grasped, he humbled himself, he considered the interest of others. Consider him, that's the motivation. Then he says, this is the application. Work out your own salvation. Do something about this. Why? Because God has provided everything you need. That's his provision. He will will and do according to his good pleasure in you. He's provided so that we can shine like stars. So that we can reach out to others. And I just want to unpack that a bit and look at the key text about, in verse 12, about working out our salvation. Now, I want to start with first clarifying what it's not. What it's not. There's certain sayings of Jesus that goes around that Jesus didn't say. And certain scriptures that goes around that's not in my Bible. They're like extra 4 verse 4. 
So they know that here's some things that's interesting. Just to, just to show you, there's certain things that we say that's actually not scriptural. There's some misconceptions. Follow your heart. Jesus never said that. He said, follow me. Be true to yourself. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself. Be true to him. Believe in yourself. Jesus never said that. Jesus said, believe in me. Live your truth. Jesus never said that. He said, I am the truth. As long as you are happy. That's the worst advice a Christian can give someone else. When you sit in community and someone says, as long as you are happy, walk out. It's bad advice. Jesus said, what will it profit a man if he gains the world but loses his soul? He's our joy. We need to find him. He's the truth. He's the joy. He's the source. So there's certain things that we pick up, which is misconceptions. Here's another one. God will not give you more than what you can handle. God will never give you more than what you can handle. That's not in the Bible. The Bible says a bruised reed he will not break. He will not tempt you more than what you can handle. But he many times <laughs> gives you more than what you can handle. Why? Because then in that moment we cry out for his grace and his mercy. And we're dependent on him. So many times God gives us more than we can handle. But a bruised reed he will not break. God wants us to be utterly dependent on him. God helps those who help themselves. God is merciful and kind. God is merciful and kind. He says if we shout out to him, his arm is not too short to save. So I want to unpack in this passage of scripture some key things that we shouldn't misunderstand. It says we need to work out our salvation. It never says we need to work for our salvation or to our salvation. So the scripture makes it clear. It's not something that we do in order to become saved or to be saved. I don't work in order to become closer to God. That day that I bow my knee and say, Lord, you are, I want to give my life to you. I surrender my life. You are my Lord and Savior. That moment I become saved. I don't do anything to, be, to become saved. I surrender and put my faith in him. But now I need to work it out. I don't work for that moment or his approval. I work from that place. So firstly, we're not saying, the scripture doesn't say you've got to work for your salvation or work to become closer to God or do things. When you come to church, that act won't bring you closer to God. But by being here, you will become more aware of him and closer it's almost like you become aware in that sense that he's near when you come. But our actions, our duties don't save us. But from that place, we need to work out. The other th thing it is not teaching. And the reason why I want to emphasize this is I've heard many people, when they sit in a compromising position, so I sit in a council and I'd advise them not to do something because they're about to compromise on some truth. I hear this phrase. But allow me to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. So what the scripture is not saying is you don't have an excuse to do what you want or what you're comfortable with. I've heard the scripture used too many times as an excuse to do what I'm comfortable with. It's not saying that. It's not your way out. It's not your, your ticket to do whatever you want. It says we need to work out his salvation in our life. 
And to unpack that, let's look what it is. The Greek word there is kater gazomai. Kater gazomai. I heard there's a lot of babies here. Any boys, there's a good Greek name there. Kater gamozai. That Greek word. So what you want to do in Greek, you want to look at what the word, meaning of the word is, but you also want to look at the writer of this text. In other places where he writes, how does he use this word to understand what he means with it? And if you look at a lot of the other scriptures where this word is used, Paul writes here, and when he uses this word again, he uses the word produce, bring about. So what he's saying is you've been saved now. Now bring about, produce what God has done in you, produce that in your everyday life. So it's not an excuse, it's not something that we do in order that we can get, but now, because we are saved, we need to produce His salvation, His work in us, we need to produce that and bring about that in our lives. The Greek word means to cause, to produce, to accomplish, to work something out until full completion. So each one of us are responsible now to make sure that we bring what Jesus has done in us to full completion as we cooperate and partner with Him. We need to work it out. So God is at work within us, but God doesn't, this scripture doesn't mean let go and let God. Have you heard that phrase? Let go and let God. We don't let go and let God, that's passive. Because He saved us, now we apply ourselves. And as we apply ourselves, we're comforted by this, that he's already provided what is needed, and he works in us. The best way to, exp- to, to give expression to this, or to give an example of this, is here's music notes or music sheets. These are chords, but you sometimes get a music composition. Um, Mozart. So he, Mozart, someone that wrote music, he composed music. And so if he came and he gave you a new composition, and he said, look, here's a new composition, here's some music, and you take that, he's already provided what is needed. He put together the melody, the pauses, he's put everything together, and now he gives that composition to you. And now what do you do with that composition? In order to benefit from it and for others to benefit from it, you take your instrument and you start applying yourself to the music notes. And that's the picture of the scripture. God has given us all that we need. He's given us the composition. Now we start applying ourselves to it. And as we do it, we start reaping the benefit from it. And others start hearing and seeing it too. Another way to explain it could be you receiving a silver mine or a gold mine. Someone gives that to you. So here's a gold mine for you. So you've been gifted that gold mine. Everything is there that is needed. But now I've got to go and apply myself in order to get the gold and partake of the gold. And that's essentially what the scriptures mean. You've been provided. God has provided what you need. It's he that wills and do according to your good pleasure. But now you've got to apply yourself. I don't know if when I was a child we didn't have a pool, but we had sprinklers. You remember that? Sprinklers. I heard one of the elders the other day also said they, before the meeting, they quickly ran through the sprinklers. One name, names, but Lee said it was wonderful. (laughs) 
But I remember when I was a child, there was a field close to our house, a park. And this park still had sprinklers. It was still days where they watered the parks. And, um, I mean, running through the sprinkler at home was nice. But when you saw the park was on, that was that, you know, that... When I saw that, that was like, that's the best way to kill off. And then you would go, and one of the fun activities would be to actually look where it's wet, and you stand there, and you position yourself, and you wait. And then suddenly as the sprayer comes, you're like, oh, it's nice. It's wet, and you wait there, and it's like, whoo. <laughs> and for me, one way of working out our salvation is much like that. We need to take our position and take our stand. And just by doing that, by working out, by applying ourselves, we position ourselves to get wet, to get soaked, to be transformed. I think many of us are in the same place we were, maybe in a worse place we were from a year ago, because we've neglected to work out and apply ourselves. We just thought if we let go, let God. I've heard parents say, I just pray the blood of Jesus over my child, and my child will be fine. We need to do that, but you can't just do that. You need to sit with your child and go through scriptures with your children. You need to sit with your child and speak through life and make sure you disciple your child. You can't just pray. You need to disciple your child. Praying the blood of Jesus is one step, but we need to apply ourselves in order to disciple our child. That's a freebie. In 1 Peter 3, verse 9, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through Him we may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in this world. So He's given us everything that we need, everything for life and godliness. And then He says, for this reason, for the reason that He's given us everything and promised, He's given us these great promises, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and goodness knowledge, and knowledge self-control, and self-control perseverance, and perseverance godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection, and mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, you will keep yourself from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Just echoes this truth again, that he's given us everything that we need. But we need to partner with Him. We need to cooperate with Him. Like, you know, at the airport, there's these sections now where there's a passageway, but next to the passageway, there's this conveyor belt, a walkway. And if you step on that, you walk past all the people walking. You know, it's like you walk normal speed, but because of this conveyor belt, you move at a rapid pace. It propels you forward. And that's what happens. We need to get on that conveyor belt of faith in Jesus, what he has done. And as we apply ourselves, he propels us forward. He propels us into more. But we need to step on. So how do we work out a salvation? Because I think it's quite clear that we need to do it. (laughs) 
each and every one need to do it, but how do we do it? And we're going to look at some of the nuggets in that passage of Scripture. The first thing is we need to follow His example. So how do I work out my salvation? How do I take responsibility for that? I don't want to be passive. I don't want to use it as an excuse just to do whatever I want to. How do I apply myself? Firstly, follow His example. Study Jesus. Get to know Him. Look at His life. At the beginning of that passage, it says, Consider Him. Consider Him. Follow His example. We see in that passage of Scripture that Jesus puts the interests of others before Himself. He lives a life of humility. And so as I follow His example, I follow in order to copy. I just don't know it in my head, but I look at Him and I apply myself to that. I remember at Bible school, um, if you were a senior student, some of the junior students, they find, they're trying to figure out whether they fit in. And so they look at the elders, they look at the senior leaders, and they sometimes copy for some reason, because they want to be like. And so they, and I remember I sometimes did this while I prayed. And I saw this one teenager that came to our youth, and I saw him also do this. And the one day I asked him, why you do that? He said, I don't know, I just saw you do it. <laughs> And we have need to have that type of attitude where we look and observe. And as we look and observe, we become like him. We apply ourselves and we do the same thing. One Welsh pastor that came to our church regularly in Wellington, when he ministered, um, and there was a time of ministry and the Holy Spirit was touching people, he sometimes did this. And so he had a Bible school in Wales, and he saw a lot of his students do this as well in Ministry time. They thought he was touched by the Holy Spirit while he's praying. And then one day he actually spoke to them. He said, a lot of you, I see a lot of you are doing this while we're praying. I just want to clarify, I don't feel the Holy Spirit in that moment. I've got ear problem. So I sometimes lose my balance. And the reason why I do this is just to get my balance while I'm walking and praying. But they observed and they picked up, they applied themselves as they followed the example. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. There's a principle of scripture that we need to follow people and follow their example as they follow Christ. But here Paul writes and he says, I want to encourage you that you don't just obey in my absence, but now much, not just in my, when I'm there, but now much more in my absence. Apply yourself and follow him. Follow him. Follow his example. Secondly, we need to seek out what it is about this gospel. Paul says it's a mystery. We can't settle. Please, can I ask us this as a church, as a people? Let's not settle for not knowing anything about the gospel or your salvation. As a people, let's seek out what the gospel is. Let's unpack the mystery. Let's explore the mystery of his salvation. Because as we do it, and as we start exploring that, we find the gold. And as we see that, we start changing. We start applying that, and we start working that out into our lives. Let's not be passive. This year, 
Don't wait for your community leader. Don't wait for an elder. I want to encourage you, dive into the word and start unpacking what is this salvation? Who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? Each one of us need to do that. Spend time in the presence of God. It's not, a, it's not an optional extra anymore for us. It's a necessity. We need to be in the presence of God. And as we behold Him and as we spend time with the Holy Spirit, He transforms us. And we see the fruit in our lives. But we need to apply ourselves. Get in that presence. Get in His presence. A pastor once said there was a guy in his congregation that didn't come to church and community groups. You probably have heard the story. And he asked, he had a coffee with this guy, and he said, why can't you come? I want to see you grow in God. And he said, I'm just too busy. I'm a businessman, and I'm just too busy. I, I don't have the time. I really want to try my best, but I don't have the time. A couple of weeks later, the man was diagnosed with cancer. He went for chemo treatments. He went for regular doctor visits. And the pastor realized suddenly the man had time because it was a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life and death for us. We need to be in the presence of God. Our marriages will flourish. Our parenting will flourish. Our friendship will flourish. Because we're in the presence of God. Not an optional extra. It's a matter of necessity for us. We need to work it out. And then lastly, we need to obsessively obey. Obsessively obey. That's how we work out his salvation. Paul says here, Therefore, my dear friends, have you always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence? Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. How do we obey? With fear and trembling. It's not just work out if you feel like it on a Monday. Go work out. On the good days, go work out. No, with fear and trembling, it's something it's, we need to be serious about. One um, writer, uh, a theologian and a linguistic professor, he said that phrase, with fear and trembling, it just refers to a nervous and trembling anxiety to do what's right. So there's a trembling anxiety. I want to do this because I need to. I need to becomes an obsession. There's a sense of, this is serious. And so when we encourage you to work out, we need to realize the scripture says we need to be anxious about this. It's important. It's important. And it says there without, continues on in verse 14, do it without, do everything without grumbling or arguing. So we apply ourselves, we obey without grumbling and without arguing. How does that look? Scripture says, put on Christ. Put on Christ. At home, when you wake up and your kids are all over, your, over you and you didn't have your morning coffee, in that moment, I put on Christ. I work out. And it's like patience. I apply myself to it. It doesn't just come. I just don't let go and let go and hopefully patience come. When we pray for patience, when we pray for the fruit of the Spirit, we're many times placed in that situation to apply patience. And as we add to our faith, we are being transformed. It's a partnership. It's a partnership. And I 
And obviously there's a balance to this, but I'm emphasizing the one part because I do believe God is wanting to wake us up to the importance of working out and applying ourselves. When it comes to sin, when it comes to an addiction, we're saying that we spoke the name of Jesus, that that addiction will break. I want to tell you it's not enough to sing, yeah, Jesus, and the addiction would break. It's a good start. It's a good start. It sets us on a course. But now when I'm faced there and I'm alone in my room, I need to put on Christ. I need to apply myself. I need to, need to get on the conveyor belt. I need to take out the instrument and start playing the music. What God has provided, I need to apply that in that situation. There's no more excuses. We need to work it out. Is there grace in the days we fail? Absolutely. Is he kind and merciful? We heard about it this morning. He is. That should give us more motivation to apply ourselves. And when we do fail, if you don't wake up early to go to gym, don't stop. Just go the next day again. And just get back into it and back into it and back into it. Eh? <laughs> yes. So if you're in a situation, apply Christ. When you get home from work, when you get home from work and you need your five minutes alone, which is important, we all need it. <laughs> I, remember, I remember coming when we do elder camps. When we on the elders camp and we were away for a weekend, I think my kids think we had a holiday. We didn't. We tired. Driving back, I tell Lizaldi, just remember now, we need to be ready for them. <laughs> we, need to be, we need to be in our top game. And in that moment, I need to apply, God, grace, give me patience. I'm going to put it on. Because when I open that door and I see them, I want to be there for them. I want to show them love. I want to show them kindness. Apply it. When the toilet seat is up, put on Christ. <laughs> Apply yourself. <laughs> when somebody does you wrong, when somebody says something in, a, in church and they've offended you, it's in those moments that we need to apply Christ, we need to put on Christ, we need to work out. And so I don't feel like forgiving now, but I'm going to pick up this weight and I'm going to start training. I'm going to start training and I'm going to extend forgiveness because I've been forgiven. I've been forgiven. And because of that, I extend forgiveness. If you're struggling with anxiety, we got to contend that I can overcome this. It might take you one week, it might take you 10 years, but you just got to get on the conveyor belt and say, This anxiety. I'm going to start dealing with it step by step. I'm going to start working out. I'm, I'm going to deal with this, this debilitating anxiety that I face in my life. If it takes me 10 years, I will work out 10 years. But I'm not going to stop. If it, if it takes me my whole life, I'm going to keep on, keeping on. And I'm going to sit on this conveyor belt. I'm going to work out. And I'm going to apply His joy. I'm going to, with um, thanksgiving, make my request known to Him. Because that's what Scripture teaches I want to work out, so I'm going to explore this mystery. And Jesus, God says through Scripture, make your request known to Him with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Do not be anxious about anything. The encouragement is that we start applying ourselves. 
Don't be passive, don't settle. And I want to end with this. We need to do it for an audience of one. We need to do it for an audience of one. It says there, work out your own salvation. Work out your own. First thing I want to say there is don't worry about someone else's salvation. Work out your salvation. You know? Hey, Kevin, have you seen that guy? I'm not so sure about his heart. You know, I've, I've heard how he speaks to his wife and then he wants to come and give a prophetic word. Mm. Maybe you should just work out your own salvation. There's a moment where the disciples, where Jesus spoke to the one and Peter got jealous and he's like, what, what about this? And Jesus told him, what, did, what is it to you? You, you follow me. Give yourself to me. Don't worry about the other one. Uh, Lee had a dream last night about many of us. He saw, I'm not sure which Josh in is, but he saw a lot of Josh in in the dream. And everyone was more concerned about someone else's situation or issue or sin, trying to remove the splinter in someone else's eye, but they're sitting with a big bulk in theirs. And the encouragement here is don't, don't compare. Don't compare. Work out your own salvation. You work out. Don't worry about someone else. If all of us does it, we don't have to worry about someone else because they are applying themselves. That's my eyes. You look take <laughs> Is there something in my eye? Yes, 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 yes. So just want to, thanks, John. Um, just want to clarify this passage of scripture that says, work out your own salvation. It's not endorsing uh, individualistic faith. So it's not, a, it's not encouraging individualism. It's highlighting the importance of your responsibility. So it's highlighting responsibility, not individualism. So we need one another. Scripture's clear. If you work out actually your salvation, you realize how much we need one another. It's encouraging personal responsibility. So not individualism, but personal responsibility. And then lastly, Paul says here, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Sometimes when I speak to people and they're unsaved, there's a lot of swear words and F-bombs and various things that go around. And eventually you get to that point where the conversation gets awkward. And it's like, oh, so what do you do? Now I'm a chartered accountant. What do you do? I'm an engineer. Beep, 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 beep. And you, I'm a pastor. And suddenly there's no more beeps. (laughs) There's no more bombs. (laughs) The land, I'm always thinking, why? You know, I don't have a problem if an unsafe person is unsaved. And they behave like an unsaved. I don't, I mean, if we in church... And there's people dropping bombs. That's a, that's a different problem. And that needs to be addressed. You need to start working out. <laughs> but if it's unsafe people, why stop? Because I'm a pastor. But there's something in our human nature. If we know people are watching, we sometimes live differently. And Paul is saying, yeah, you know, I've seen you obey when I was around. I hope it's not just because I was there. But now that I'm here in jail, I'm encouraging even more. If I'm not aware, if no one knows what you're doing, God knows. Apply yourself. It's like a runner here on Boulevard. If you, the road is quiet and you see them walking, 
There's no one. And suddenly you pass and you like nod. They realize someone's seeing and they start. <laughs> and then when you drive past, you look in the, in the rear view mirror and you see them walking again. <laughs> don't do that. Paul's saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Apply yourself. When no one else is looking, take the responsibility and work out what he's already done in you. We will be effective in reaching out if we bring out what he has already brought about. We need to bring out what he's done inside. Amen. And so that's my encouragement for each one of us. This week, tomorrow, start working out. Even this afternoon, start working out and start exploring who is Jesus. How did he live? Spend time in his presence. Spend time in his word. Explore the mystery. And then obsessively obey with fear and trembling. Because in doing so, we will come to know him more. And we'll reflect him more. Amen. Can we close our eyes? As we're closing our eyes, I want to just want each and everyone here, just for a moment, just to not worry about anything. We're going to be done shortly. But I do sense there might be one or two people here, maybe even more, that have never given their life to Jesus. You've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And earlier on in this passage of Scripture, I read that Jesus, He was God. He was God and He came down to earth. It said that He humbled Himself. Why did He humble Himself? He, wanted, he came down to obey the Father, but He did it to die on a cross for each and every one of us so that our sins can be dealt with. All of us, when we're born, we're born with sin. The moment you start speaking as a baby, you start lying. It's in our nature. We're full of sin. And we need to be saved and, and saved from that and cleansed from that. And Scripture reveals, the Bible teaches that Jesus died on a cross so that His blood can wash us clean. I want to tell you, I experienced it personally. I've read it in my Bible, but I've experienced that God has washed me clean. I've encountered the one that came from heaven, God coming down to earth to die on a cross. I've encountered him. Yeah, there was a bunch of men standing in front and they could share with you how young men gave their life to Jesus and accepted the one that came down. The best picture I can give of that is of a man whose wife wanted to take him to church and he didn't want anything to do with church. And as his wife went to church, he sat there alone on Easter day and he heard these wild noises outside. And as he looked, he saw a bunch of geese just running around, not knowing where to go, frantic in the storm. And he tried to chase them into a barn, but they didn't. They got more frantic because they thought he was coming to attack them. And then he tried to put breadcrumbs to the barn, and that didn't work. They just got more freaked out. And standing in his house, looking at these geese frantically flying all over, he thought to himself, if I could only become a geese, a goose, right now, I could go to them and show them the way. And in that moment, you realize what Jesus did. Jesus came down, took on a different nature to show us the way back, to show us the way to safety. 
to show us the way out of the storm of sin. And if that's you today, and you feel this, as I'm sharing this, you feel like I needed to do something about this. I'm not sure if I've given my life to Jesus. I'm not sure if I found my way back to God. The invitation is for you today to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. As you respond to him, he cleanses you. If that's you, well, every eye is bowed. Don't you quickly want to raise your hand and say, that's me. That's me, Kevin. That's me, Kevin. I'm lost. I'm lost. I'm not sure if I belong to Jesus. I'm not sure if I would die today. If I've actually belonged to him, I'm lost. If that's you, don't you just want to raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. There's one response. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Can we all stand? And can we pray with that person now? So all of us stand and we're going to pray together. Cindy. pray together. Lord Jesus, today I, for, today I repent of my sin and I give you my life. I now accept you as my Savior. I now accept you as my Lord. Thank you that you make me new. Jesus, thank you that your blood washes me. And thank you that I can come to the Father because of what you've done. I now open up my heart, open up my life. Would you come and fill it? In Jesus' name, amen.